Thank you so much. There is a Swahili song which I love to sing it. Uh, want to sing. And also you can hear we praise the Lord in our language. The song says God is so good. Mungu yumwema Mungu yumwema Mungu yumwema Yumwema wangu Mungu yumwema Mungu yumwema Mungu yumwema Yumwema wangu For sure when I sing that song I remember where I was and where I am now and when I look behind I can say sure God is so good without God I wouldn't be where I am this time because of his goodness I'm here and thank God and praise him so much uh, my name's um, Wilson Maungo I come from Kenya I work under the Baptist Faith Missions. I'm married. My wife is called Pamela. We have three children on our home. Our first daughter just joined high school this year. She's 16, and then 13 and 11, the son. And beside our kids, we have four orphans whom we are keeping in our home. So we have a total of seven kids, two boys and five girls. Uh, Psalms 119 verse 176 is my life verse and the verse that led me to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Some years back, I was passing in a, uh, walking in a village market and there was a preacher preaching, street preacher preaching and giving out the trucks. So I took one and at home, I read that tract for the first time. It really got hold of my soul, and I felt I needed somebody in my life. So I had no option but to surrender my life and the Lord. And since then, I have a testimony that God is good and God saves. After my salvation, I wanted to know more about uh, the God whom I had just received. Because from the community which was born and raised up, they have their own God who lives under the crater of a mountain. And once a year they take their male uh, boys after education to go there and be taught how to worship that God. So I thank God before I was taken there, I got saved. And when I got saved, this the community, the community really wanted to cast me because they said I just lost direction and I'm going to be cast uh, because of leaving their culture and start following the new the foreigner cultures. So they were calling the Bible, uh, when they said there's a foreigner culture. But uh, I could not pay attention to because the change which I received wasn't just an outward thing, but inside it was something that uh, it was in me. And I was feeling the change that I'm saved. So I could not pay attention to them, so I prayed to God to open a door for me to be taught more of his word. As the, as the time went by, 
I was uh, able to join a Bible, Baptist college for three years, theological uh, study of the Word of God. And after learning the Word, I found the truth, and I failed to go back to my people and teach them about the true God. And the most important thing is to teach the truth of the Word, the Word of God. So uh, I prayed to my Lord, and he led me back to my people. Since 1991, I've been in the midst of our people. And I want to tell you, God has been working out things, changing the mind of people, seeing people coming, uh, saying, Pastor, can you please show us what, where can we get this verse? Where can we get this scripture? How can I be saved? I want to be like you and uh, eh, lead the good life. So we uh, have seen God doing, and uh, I'm really thankful to be used by God. And uh, we have been preaching, teaching the word of God without compromising the word of God. Teaching the people how they should know their Lord, love, and live, and walk with him day by day. And uh, by the grace of God, we have so far planted 30 churches, three preaching points, and we have six churches in eastern parts of Uganda, just across the border, on Kenya, Ugandan border. When I saw a mission and we were living in Uganda, I developed that interest to know him so that I can, uh, we can team together and work for the glory of God. So uh, my work at home, mostly I'm dealing with the leaders train, teaching and training. Since I'm the only trained person, I've been moving from one place to the other uh, place teaching leaders because we wanted them to know exactly what the Bible is and what they should uh, teach because there are so many false doctrines, false teaching out there. So I've been moving from one church to the other, training our younger men how they can serve the Lord properly. Kenya, as you may, might have heard, is a good, beautiful country. And I'll just even encourage you, those who want to go to for, for their, their vacation, please come to Kenya. Good national park. <laughs> Safari tour. The Lion will enjoy, see more of those things and uh, uh, everything. But let me talk to you because I'm really, uh, I stay seven hours from the capital city. Outside there, as we serve the Lord, there are many, many uh, hardships that we encounter. And that's why we are here to share with you these needs and this hardship that wherever you pray, you can pray with us because we believe in the prayers because there is power that changes things that are gotten through prayers so that we'll be praying with us. As I've mentioned earlier, false teaching, there are so many false cults they are teaching wrongly the word of God. And that's why we need to be closer to our people and teach special leaders where they can also teach uh, their people. We have HIV AIDS, killing people, sweeping people. 2.1 million Kenyans are HIV positive. This shows in the next five to 10 years, there will be no more there. And about 750 die every day. And about the same number is infected. And uh, also malaria is also the problem there. Most of our people, they live below the poverty line. They cannot really live to $1 a day. And uh, so they cannot afford to get a, a dose of malaria, which costs around 6 to $7. And mostly the kids between the, uh, age 1 and 5 die almost every day. So, and also the hardship, the uh, illiteracy. 
Most of the people, especially where I come from, they have never seen the school. They have never been taught. So that's why we need to train the people to be closer to these people that they can teach them the truth. Because what you teach them is what they hold. Because they cannot read by themselves. And because uh, of illiteracy there. So most of our people do not believe that when we, especially we talk about HIV AIDS, they think it's real. They say, ah, that is maybe witchcraft or maybe a curse. Maybe that person has done something bad and that's why God is now bringing back evil back to him. So they really don't understand it by themselves. So that's why we really need to also pray that the Lord will open especially the kids to get. So we are involved in these things as we help our people. Uh, beside the church ministry, I'm also caring for the orphans, especially who are coming to our church. We have an orphanage school, we are, and most of these kids are over school, going age. And we, since they come, we encourage them, because we want them at least to grow somewhere and they know how to read and write. And we can train them how to make dress, carpentry, masonry, and they can work for themselves to, uh, to, to make their living. So we have that school with the 387 kids, and uh, 91 of them, they do not have anybody on this world. It's just them and God. So as a church, we are doing what we can because we cannot afford the three meals. We are giving them two meals a day, and sometimes even they don't get, uh, they just get only one meal because uh, of uh, hardship that we are facing up over there. So we give them breakfast and, uh, and lunch daily. And among these 91, 26 do not have anywhere to go. So we have a place where we are accommodating them and encourage them to go to school. And we pray that uh, uh, God, our God, will provide that we may continue to care for this. Because most of these kids are saved and they love the Lord, are doing the things of the Lord. Uh, when you see them, you can really love them. Now my focus, as we wait for the return of the Lord, I'm really focused to winning souls to the, Lord, to the Lord. The Bible says, he that winneth the soul is a wise and the voice of the Lord says, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but come to repentance. Number two, my desire is to plant more independent Baptist churches. And we, we thank God for what we have done, and we still need more that we do more for him. As Jabez prayed, God bless me indeed and enlarge my cost. So a prayer to God that he continue enlarging our cost so that we may be able to reach uh, many more and the Lord. And uh, number three, my focus number three is to train our younger faithful men in pastorate and leadership roles. And we are committed to that and that is what we are doing. So brothers and sisters, uh, I can't talk all because of time. I can talk since the morning until night about what is happening and what God is doing in the field. And because of time, please, we really uh, covet your prayers and if possible, come and visit and help us the work of God there. So pray with us that the Lord will uh, enable us to do what he has called us to do. So pray for us that our support will uh, increase. Pray for us that the Lord will provide for these orphans as we continue uh, ministering unto them, especially the eight who are going to high school next year. High school in Kenya is very expensive, 
And sometimes when we tell these kids that you don't have money to take them and they see your kids going to school, they say, okay, since we don't have parents, that's why we're being handled like that. So please pray with us that the Lord will meet the needs and send these orphans to school. And also, uh, the Lord will provide, we need to get a clinic in the eastern part of Uganda and help kids who are dying of malaria. Thank you so much, and may God bless you. When you, when you think of missions, you always have to think about money. So let's just talk about money for a moment. Brother, what is, what's your monthly income? $800. $800. Yes. Now, that $800 is for your wife and you and uh, the seven kids. Yes. So the 33 pastors, where does their money come from? I share with them the 800 Oh, so there's your family and then 33 other pastors are a part of that 800 Yes. Uh, how about the orphans? The orphans also, we share with them the 800 There's There's 300 orphans. Yes, getting books and uh, uh, pencils, and the rest we buy uniform, uh, feed them, because uh, that's the only source of income. In the school, we cannot charge uh, children because they're all of them, the orphans, are just living by their relatives who are not uh, even interested in showing any interest in them. They say that their parents died, they don't really care. So when we ask them to pay even a little bit, they will not come to school. So we just leave them and educate them because we are thinking of their future. So the orphans, the pastors, how about the school teachers? Also we school? share with them the same amount. Out of the same 800? It's the same 800. You ought to be glad you're not a Christian day school teacher in Africa, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but another issue we have is sometimes churches and people don't send their funds, so $800 is committed. But how does that work itself out? Yeah, uh, because most of the people were supporting me from the, the United States through the IGM, the individuals. And sometimes when they have maybe a problem in the family, they don't send. And maybe the number can come down, like five or six, and it keeps on just changing. But I'm really not complaining. I'm so thankful to God because I think of the time where I did not have anything, and still I was serving the Lord. So uh, what happens when it all doesn't come in? We just uh, talk. I just talk. And mostly we've been operating on dates. Uh, when we get, we see which one the data has uh, been piled on. So we settle that, and we tell others to wait for another time when the Lord provides again. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Well, thank you, Wilson. Thank you, brother. Well, your pastor requested, and we're pleased for it. If, if we had a, a few hours tonight, you'd love to hear both of these men preach. They are great preachers. But he asked, and uh, Earl volunteered to come and share the word. He'll give you his testimony and things, but he's going to ask you to open your Bible. So uh, get your Bible ready, and Earl, if you'll come minister to us. He's from Jamaica, and uh, Earl uh, has an earned doctorate degree, two master's degrees. He's been president of a Bible college, and uh, he just loves to preach the word. So, brother, thank you. What a delight it is to be with you and to have had the opportunity to meet 
Pastor Smith and to fellowship with him, to meet Donna today and later on Mrs. Rupert as we came in. And I must also say that the, the prelude this evening was just out of this world. It was so refreshing to hear all those wonderful old, old-time songs. Um, those, those are the songs we sing back in my church and in our country there in Jamaica. So it was like coming home to just uh, sit in there and, and hear the, the piano and the organ and the two ladies there giving us such a wonderful feast of good music. Thank you very much. My name is Errol Lewis, and uh, I came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ back in 1963. I was in a service, and I heard the Word of God preached, and the Holy Spirit of God convicted my heart, and I knew that I needed something I didn't have. And I asked the preacher how I could know for sure that I'm saved. He took the word of God and showed me this putting faith in the Lord Jesus Christ according to what St. Paul uh, teaches. And that day, I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I knew that I was born again. And I had all kinds of plans for my own life. As a baby Christian. But soon after that, I was invited to a Bible conference. And it was, it started Monday evening, ended Friday evening, and it was all through the day and late in the night. It was Bible, 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 just the Word of God. And at the end of it, another, a gentleman by the name of Oswald Sims, a Jamaican man, but a man that was really dedicated to God, stood up and said, there are some of you young men here tonight, and some of us older men are going to be off the scene. Have you considered surrendering your lives to God that he might use you to preach his word? And I felt the Holy Spirit tugging at my heart and challenging me. And in that meeting, I knelt down and I said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I give it to you now. And I rose from that meeting with the strong conviction in my heart that God had called me to preach the gospel. And so that's where it began. The next year, the Lord made it possible for me to go to Bible College. And it was just his sovereign hand in my life all along. I could tell you all kinds of things that happened. When I was first told of the Bible College, you know, the Lord sent someone uh, from North America to speak to me. I was in a vacation Bible school class. And this lady said to me, I feel like God's hand is on your life. And I, I believe you ought to go to the Bible school. Um, and then she said, if you will go, I'll pay the first term's fee. I didn't want to go I, I, because when I told my mom, uh, 
when we were from such poor uh, circumstances, and she said, no, you can't go. But of course, after talking about it, talk, she said, yeah, I'll let you go. And you know, God provided every term for four years. And then he took me into Montego Bay, or Second City, and I began my ministry there, church planting, and working with the Hillview Baptist Church for 28 and a half years. And during that time, the Lord also used me to teach in the Bible College and to become the president of that college for 14 years at a time when all missionaries had to leave Jamaica because of communism. Later, later on, the Lord took me to Kingston, our capital city, and he used me for 10 years in another church where we built up the work of the Lord by his grace, started a Christian school, started with 57 students, and watched the Lord's hand on it, growing it until it became 380 students, reaching into the homes of people that didn't know the Lord. The Lord has since taken me out of that the last year or so, and I'm now in church planting again. I'm now planting a new church. It's a baby church. It's just one year old. And we had our recognition service on the 18th of May this year. And so I am right now in the beginning of things again. And if you can imagine what it, what it takes to, you know, get a new church going, all the challenges, all the problems, the teething pains, and all of that, uh, finding a place. And right now we are having a challenge because we've just found a new place to, um, to worship. We were thrown out of the former place where we were meeting, and it's costing us $1,000 a month uh, to rent this place. And the church, being so young, is having a challenge with that and asking the Lord to help us find, if it's even 50% of that, um, at least for a year, until we are able to develop uh, to, uh, a place where we can handle all of that by ourselves. And of course, the pastoral support and all of that, because it's a very young congregation. So we just ask you to pray with us that God will bless and God will provide and God will keep his hand on the work. It is his work. And in his sovereign grace, he knows what he's doing. And we just need to follow him. My wife is Merle, and she's a very godly lady. We have been married for 28 years, and we have two sons who love the Lord. And they are both married to very godly young ladies, and we praise God for that, that they, have, they are, they are um, trying to establish Christian families and families that will honor the Lord. So uh, pray for us and pray with us uh, as we seek to do the work of the Lord back there in Jamaica. A predominantly black population, but people that um, are open to the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and uh, if you were to come and visit with us, I'm sure that you'll find it a very pleasant experience, and we trust that someday you'll be able to come and visit with us in Jamaica. But I'd like to share with you a bit from the Word of God, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And in the few minutes that we have, just to share a few thoughts. Verses 3 on down. 
remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. When I read this portion of the Word of God, I find that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul speaks to us about three aspects of our lives. Three aspects of our lives. And there are three significant aspects of life. The first one has to do with our salvation. The question is, for everybody in church, do I know the Lord? Am I truly born again? A lot of people today in many places, in many churches, I see people on television uh, will come on and, and tell people, just point your hand at the screen or just uh, write your name on a piece of paper and send it in and all the kind. There are so many things that people are presenting today as a way of salvation. But you know, Paul, in writing to these people at Thessalonica, I can tell as you, as you, as you read the word of God, he's speaking to them about an authentic salvation. That these people were genuinely born again. They knew they were saved. And he knew. So he said, I am constantly remembering your work of faith. Paul knew that they were saved. He knew that the work of faith had been done in their hearts. And we can't go anywhere. We can't go on. We can't, we can't move on in anything spiritual until it begins here. It begins, our journey with God begins with salvation. And so he says, I remember without ceasing your work of faith. And so that having been, having been established, he moves on to speak of another aspect of life. It is this. It's the aspect of our service. It is not enough in, when we look at God's word just to be satisfied with salvation. When we go back in the writings of Paul as the Holy Spirit used him to write, and under that inspiration, the Spirit said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Which God hath prepared before, that we should walk in them. You know, when he wrote that chapter, he first spoke of salvation. By grace are you saved. 
But then he moves on to tell them that we are not only saved to sit down. We are saved to serve. And so he speaks to these people of their labor of love. That service. You know, and I came around here today and I looked and I see the expressions of love. Because when we serve the Lord, it is not to be because we are being paid financially. We are to serve the Lord out of a heart of love. And he defines their labor as a labor of love. So what do you teach the Sunday school? Sing in the choir. Play the instrument. Stand up and hand out the bulletins. Or simply ask people, do you know that there is a God? And that he loves you? And, and stimulate them to think about God. Because peradventure the Spirit of God is waiting to bring that person into a saving relationship with himself. But it's a labor of love. And down there in, in Jamaica, uh, the new church is an independent Baptist church that we have just started. And I've pastored only in independent Baptist churches. And we are training the people to labor for the Lord, to love the Lord. So we teach them on Sunday morning, on Wednesday evenings. Sunday evenings, we are out to talk to our neighbors and our friends about the Lord. We give out gospel tracts. We give out New Testament. So put, if we put the word of God in the hands of people as, we, as they become available to us. So they can read. And we are a literate society. So that people can read the word of God. And the Holy Spirit, because the word of God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But these people here in, in Macedonia and Achaia, and Macedonia and Achaia, two Roman provinces, as I'm sure you know, that comprised ancient Greece. Macedonia in the north, and Achaia in the south. And Paul says, uh, from you sounded out the word of the Lord. There were witnesses. We are called to be witnesses. Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. There were witnesses in Macedonia and Achaia. But he says, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but every place. You see, the thing is that when you go to Acts 16, you find Paul there on that missionary journey, waiting on the Lord, and he had this vision, come over into Macedonia and help us. But now we find that these people in Thessalonica, and Thessalonica was the, was the metropolis of, of Macedonia, He's saying now that, oh, I did come over there. We did come and preach the word. But now, the wonderful, exciting, fascinating thing is that these people who were once through that vision calling for help in Macedonia, that they might hear the word of God, they are now taking the word of God to Achaia and the other places around. And you know, this is sort of what is happening in my country and in Kenya and other places because there was a time when the missionaries came and they brought us the word of God. But you know what's happening now? We are standing in the gap and we are taking the gospel now. We are taking the word. We are establishing churches. We are teaching the people the word of God. 
So this kind of thing here began way back in that first century with St. Paul. It's not a modern thing. And that is what Jesus said. You have to preach it and teach it. Teach what you have been taught, teach to others, and the cycle must continue. But why must we do all of this? And, and, and I must say as I close that, you know, the, this part of the, of the world, Greece, produced a great man. His name was Alexander. In fact, he was so great, they called him Alexander the Great. But you know, even though he had great victories and everything like that, these people here in Macedonia, in Thessalonica, their contribution, their reputation, will far outlast that of Alexander the Great because God has made a record of them in his word. So we are, we are, we, we've been saved. Praise God for that. We must be up and serving the Lord. And it's only to be in light of one thing, and that's the third and final thought, the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved, we are serving, because Jesus is coming again. And that is the hope of every born-again child of God tonight. You come and you sing these songs and, you, and you're happy together and so on. One of these days, there's going, just going to be a great happy meeting in the, in the clouds. But we're going to be together forever. And the music is going to be great. And so tonight, my friend, if you're a little discouraged, cheer up. Because the word says here, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us. And I like that, that tense of that, of that verb. Which delivered us from the wrath to come. He's not delivering us from the wrath to come. He's not going to deliver us from the wrath to come. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from the wrath to come. That is what St. Paul has had to say to us. May God bless you and encourage you. May you know that you are truly, genuinely saved. May you be genuinely serving the Lord. And may you be patiently waiting for his return. And we shall meet as one great happy family, never to part again. It's been a joy to speak to you. May God bless you. Thank you. Well, all I can say is amen and amen. Uh, I wish that you had the opportunity that I had just before services tonight to be able to personally speak to these gentlemen about their faith and their works. And uh, I hope that you will stay afterwards and, and ask some questions and talk with them. But I am uh, especially encouraged by what I heard. Um, this is somewhat of a different concept for us. We're, we're used to sending... Uh, American missionaries out, and we've done that and done that and done that. And to hear that these uh, national pastors, people in their own country who already know 
Jesus as their Savior, and they're preaching already the same word that we've been preaching. And as Brother Furman said, it's not a new thing. Uh, for many, many years this has been done. I want to remind you, and Brother Furman, you may be interested in this, we have a lady in our church that most of you know. She's, of course, not here now, Sharon Parasipogu, who is uh, an Indian lady. And she was a member of our church, and now she's since gone back to India. And she was, uh, her, parent, her father is a Baptist pastor, and they are descendants of the first people who heard the gospel from William Carey. And they still live, her family still lives in a compound that American missionaries established there. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is still being carried forth in India by people who heard from the missionary William Carey uh, 300 years ago. And I also want to remind you that William Carey preached the same things that we as a Baptist church right here in this locality are still preaching. And in my conversations with these men, I, as Brother Furman said, I did ask questions. And I've asked about doctrines of grace. I've asked whether you establish Baptist churches. I asked them about baptism. I asked them about what do you believe about the Lord's Supper. I asked them what you believe about presenting the gospel and how it should be given and whether people should be trained and is the gospel something that we just raise our hands and receive and that's all there is to it. And I come to find out that these men believe just like we believe. And thank the Lord for this as I reported to you another conversation that I had with Brother Furman some time ago. I guess it was when we were in Nevada that I asked him um, uh, questions along these lines. And here in America, we are, we are influenced by what everybody else is doing, by somebody else's doctrine, by what somebody else has said. And rarely, I'm afraid, do uh, American Christians do much of their own thinking. It comes a lot from other people, what other people have said, and they really don't think about the Word of God. But these men who did not have the opportunity to have... Uh, maybe not in their particular case, but throughout the uh, independent gospel missions who have not had the opportunity to hear everything that we've heard. They read the Bible, and they come to the same conclusions that we have. And you wonder, how is that? It's because God teaches us his word, the Holy Spirit. When we lend ourselves to that, when we read the word of God, and when we listen to what God's spirit says without what everybody else says, God teaches us the truth. And that's how it's been propagated for 2,000 years. So I thank the Lord for, for these men and what I've heard tonight. And uh, we just thank you so much for coming, Brother Furman, and gentlemen, for the distance that you have come to present the Word of God. We, we appreciate it so much. Would you spend some time talking with these folks tonight, looking at the displays, and uh, just think about what God's doing in another part of the world, even while we're preaching the gospel right here tonight. I'd like for Brother Dalton, if you would come, please our ladies, to come for our invitation. Uh, I appreciate the brother giving the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's something we need to do. We've got to be saved. We have to know that we're saved, and that's where it starts, and then we work for the Lord. We're saved to serve, not saved to sit down, and we're saved to serve, and while we're serving, to always have our eyes looking towards the second coming of Jesus Christ, and I appreciate that message. Let's have a word of prayer. And then we'll have everyone stand and we'll sing this invitation hymn. Lord, we thank you so much for what we've heard tonight. Uh, Lord, our hearts are full to know that, that the gospel is being preached. There are so many people around the world who need to 
to hear about the saving love of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for these men who in their own countries have been standing there and preaching your word in conditions that are much worse than most of us could ever imagine. And on very little money and funding, they still stay faithful. And when the money doesn't come, they're still faithful. And when they don't have as much support as they need, they're still preaching and they don't give up. Lord, we just pray that you might bless them and you would supply their needs and help us as a people uh, in this country and in this church to also realize that, that the only way that people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ is, and we can't go ourselves, is if we're willing to give money so that somebody can. So, Lord, we just ask you to work on hearts tonight. Draw us close to you, and we thank you for the word that's been preached. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.